Football Clichés is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Whacks, smacks, clunks and crunches, a chorus of boos, howls of derision, an ironic cheer, and the shrill of the referee's whistle. These are the sounds of football. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Self-isolating with me for this scintillating showcase of sonic sensation. Uh, that wasn't even good written down, and it's less impressive said out loud. Um, first of all, David Walker, the podcast chief. Yet more critical acclaim for you last week via social media. Would you uh, like to hear it? Yes. Um, a DM from a friend of mine said, I liked the bloke who wasn't JPB a lot. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, Although, is, that is a sort of a... Slight dig at JPB as well. No, he clarified later it wasn't. <laughs> he knows him and he says it was fine. But but I'm more worried about the fact that he likes you but still doesn't know your name. Which yeah. suggests you've still got some work to do okay. on this podcast. So don't get complacent. But glad to have you here. Also, social media guru, Harriet Drudge. Back from uh, a winter break? A winter break, yes. How was it? Yeah, it was more like the self-isolation, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, because I didn't want to risk going away. Um, so, yeah, no, it was good. Good to have a little bit of a break. We start as we always do with some formalities, things we noticed about football this week. Now, this is a scandal as far as I'm concerned. Ease Eldin Bakhtar is an Egyptian 75-year-old and he has become the oldest ever professional footballer. And I find this really irritating because the Guinness Book of Records says you only have to play twice to qualify for this record. And it's, not, it's against the very spirit of the Guinness Book of Records, isn't it, Harriet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, I mean, how many minutes? Does it specify how many Just minutes? Just have played two have games. Play? Two full games? Yeah. Or so be which involved? Is, the implication is that, oh, he was allowed to come back and play, so therefore he is a professional footballer. Is he getting paid? We that need to his contract. That has to be the line. I mean, if, if he's getting paid to play football at 75. But he's doing it for the purposes of the record. Yeah. It's not good enough. If, if, I, if I gave you £10 to play football this lunchtime instead of you paying £5 subs. Yeah. Would that make you a professional footballer? And, and yeah, at the age of 36, no, it not, wouldn't. not old enough to qualify for the record. But this is important to me because um, I, I grew up with the proper Guinness Book of Records in its golden era. And these things matter to me. I can yeah. tell you who the, the world's tallest man of all time is. It's, it's Robert Pershing Wadlow. 
and he's eight, he was eight foot eleven. I can tell you who the heaviest man of all time is. It's John Broa Minnook, who reached a hundred stone, one, mainly one due stone, mainly due to water accumulation. So there there is a grey area there. But he had to be winched out of his house. Um, uh, and, and those are honest area. record breakers. I don't think he got to a hundred no. stone because he wanted honest, to. Yeah, honest record breakers. I mean that that one. I mean. He's not exactly trying to be a hundred stone, surely. No, definitely not. It was, it was yeah. although when you get to sad story. If if you were in the region of a hundred stone and you knew the record was one hundred <laughs> stone, you may as well just put on a few more pounds. Just, just, just go to, for the round just, figure. Just, just get it. Secondly, in his press conference before Tottenham's ill-fated Champions League second leg with RB Leipzig, Jose Mourinho coined the phrase "box sharks," which loosely translates our man Charlie Ecclesher says to "fox in the box." Are either of you happy to accept that into the football lexicon? I'm not. Box no. sharks. No, not really. Especially as, I mean, what context was he using it in? They don't have any box sharks. I, I moment, presume he was talking they? about his lack of strikers. Yeah, yeah. And he clarified it by saying, um, these are the players that smell blood. So I mean, it makes sense. You, I P- Pippo Inzaghi style. And Fox, Fox in the box is, I, do, I feel it is a bit outdated. It, it was, Fox in a box was originally used to describe Francis Jeffers yeah, yeah. by but, Arsene but Wenger, wasn't sharks it? Sharks are better than foxes they in are this more, context, surely. Much more deadly, of yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah. Foxes are famously not prolific. I think foxes are the scorers, scorers of great goals rather than great goal scorers. Um, what is the best animal for goal scoring, Harriet? I, I'm quite a big fan of Fox in the Box, actually. Okay. So, I, and all, the, the box sharks thing is just quite aggressive, isn't it? Mm. Rather than a fox... You seem a bit more agile, a mm. bit more, you know, getting around and getting into those little spaces where, you know, not everyone gets into. Your bins. Um, in, in, well, yeah, bin, top bins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Interesting. <laughs> Number three in our running order today is um, a leaked image of Manchester City's kit next season has revealed that it's going to be a cracked kit. It's going to be sort of a, a mosaic style cracked porcelain effect. And I wonder if this is an extension of their current plight. So we've had cracked badges. Cracked badges are a, a recognised phenomenon. And, uh, and and that denotes a club in crisis. But we've never had a cracked kit before. Yeah. Um, is, is this the beginning of the end for Manchester City? It, but it looks like it could also be a shattered mirror. Oh. Which introspection you know, forebodes seven years of oh, yeah. you know, trophies <laughs> back to league success. one for man city yeah. on to the main event today this is I, this is perfect podcast material we're going to talk about the the sounds of football every every conceivable thing that your ears could enjoy or indeed not enjoy about football whether you're there whether you're watching it on tv or not and uh we put this out there and there's overwhelming response i didn't realize it was gonna be so um fervent the response to this but uh the general consensus was that the best sound in football is the ball going in off the crossbar or the post or even both or at least two of the three angles of the goal anyway uh i feel like the the peak of this genre is darren anderton versus sweden in 1995 yes what is it about the sound of woodwork? I mean, it's not wood. It's not wood anymore, of course. But what is it, the sound of aluminium? It's probably linked to the fact that you know how satisfying it feels as yeah. well. If you've yeah. ever done it, yeah, like it's there is just an inherently satisfying quality to that noise. Do you not think, Harriet, that you? In isolation, the sound isn't actually that good. You, you, you need the pictures to go with it. I mean, I'm defeating the, kind of of the podcast. The whole point of yeah. this. Show. <laughs> no, I'm just putting it out there. Devil's advocate. Do you need? 
Does, is it an all is it an all things encompassing thing? You need the sound to go with the. It's a very visceral thing seeing the ball going off the woodwork, isn't it? It's a yeah, wonderful thing. I think you kind of need all your senses to enjoy mm. it to the max. Mm. So when it because the anticipation as well, when you can see how close the shot's going to be, yeah. and you don't know whether it's going to hit the post and or Chris Bar and come back out. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a yeah to be to be enjoyed holistically. Oh, nice. There are other sort of goal related lovely sounds. I think TV companies are very have been aware of this for a long while. And they know it adds something to the product. I mean, the ball hitting the net now is very well covered by sort of pitch side microphones. And that's a very satisfying sound. That's like a head hitting a pillow. That's that's lovely. There's a clip here which kind of encompasses all the beautiful sounds of, of a goal. It's like a glorious combo. You've got the ball being launched into the box. There's a pleasant boom of that. Then someone chests it down with an equally pleasant boom. And then someone volleys it. Even better boom. Then it hits the post and goes in and you get netting. Here it is. Is it ASMR, isn't it? The, uh, those, those YouTube videos are just really pleasant sounds. I feel like I could just listen to that for hours on end. What game is that from? Aloha Athletic. It, I, <laughs> for once, it helps that there is, there's a quite a small crowd there so you can hear the boom of the ball. And I think that's quite important. I think at professional level, the ball is just pumped up really hard. So it just makes that sound. I mean, I put it to you, Harriet, that there is no finer sound in football. And this is quite rare than a 50-50 tackle, like a proper Oof. one, like a proper block tackle. Uh, an absolute 50-50 thud. Yeah, and it, it resonates. It, it, you yeah. can hear it above a 60,000-seater stadium, I'm sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree that it's the the epitome of football Fine. sounds because Fine. it makes me wince a little yeah. bit. Oh, okay. Because like, I must be quite an empathetic person when I'm watching football because I can almost feel it and I you can... You can hear the snap of the cruciate yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and also no if, somebody, hear that. if somebody isn't quite in it 100% as well, yeah. then you know that they're, they're in all sorts of trouble. You know you know, sounds of football have really struck a chord with people when you get sort of slightly apocryphal stories about certain sounds. Uh, this isn't a particularly pleasant sound, but it but it, it sums up what I'm talking about here. Um when Luke Nillis broke his leg oh, yeah. for Aston Villa against Ipswich, was it that? I think it was in 2000. Every, uh, every time I talk about Luke Nillis, um, uh, an Ipswich fan... do or, frequently, I, I do, He's just a yeah. wonderful player. <laughs> and, um, and every time I mention him, there's a, it's either Ipswich or Villa fans say that I was sat at the other end of, of that statement. I could hear his leg crack. That's how far the, the sound travelled. Yeah, my, my dad's told me a few horror stories of uh, watching our local club on the Isle of Wight, Newport, mm. and how when he's been in the ground, and obviously there's only about 100 people there. So you can hear it all over the island. Could, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounded a bit of a, a quake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's when, you know, you've got quite a few loud, you know, people who try and get the chance going at these games, but then it just goes silent and nothing. It's the slap of the shin pad that mm. I think... The t- two plastic shin pads knocking together <laughs> is what gives that particular crunching sound. It's, it is more of a, it's more of a slap, I think, than a crunch. Actually, oh, okay. We're going to get onto our listener contributions for their favourite sounds in football. Here, the wonderfully named Alexander Gjedevic says the seat clapping sound when everyone in a seating area is standing up in unison during a counter attack. So everyone's sort of standing up at the same time during a. Pr- there, there, was, there is obviously a moment during an attack where everyone thinks something's about to happen and they stand up. At what point do you think that is? Oh, I, I couldn't. I, I think it would be different every time. You wouldn't. You wouldn't necessarily it's say over the halfway. There's, it, oh, definitely. But I think you'd be a bit ambitious if every time someone passed the halfway line, you got up. You'd be, you'd be much. conscious of getting up too early. Wouldn't I you? Think definitely. Final third. I think. I think the transition into the final third at at 
something At approaching speed, I think. speed. Yes. Mike B says the most satisfying noise is the sound of the ball in a keeper's gloves as they catch across. In the warm-up only, he specifies. Um, there is something satisfying about an adhesive goalie glove catching ball, isn't there? Took it into my palm, haven't I? So what the the listeners obviously can't see right now is that you have actually brought a football in and a pair of goalkeeper gloves. The most disgusting goalie gloves in the living history of society. I thought shin pads were bad and now I've realised just how bad these goalie gloves are. Um, I'm going to get rid of them as soon as I can after this podcast. I defy anyone though to to put a pair of goalie gloves on and not clap them Oh yeah! Immediately, oh, that shit. sound of the of your palms clapping together whilst in gloves is the sound. I should have done that. I should have done that. But let's do that. Sorry. Put them on. Oh, Get them back on. Again. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Another niche one. Sam says the sound of studs walking on concrete or whatever the floor of the tunnel is made of is a lovely sound. I'm unsure about this. It's a bit too metallic for my tastes. Yeah, I mean, when when I read that, I could hear it. And I thought, actually, that is quite a nice noise. Another one for me is uh, when the goalies are cleaning their boots, well, trying to clean their boots, where they hit their Don't studs like it on the post. Against the post, yeah. yeah. I See, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a massive fan, but I'm just... You can... Some, some of them really go for it, don't they, yeah, as well? Yeah. Some of them are a bit half-hearted about getting the mud off their boots. How important do you think that is? Getting not, the mud off your boots. Not very. I think it. I think it's a psychological thing. It's, yeah. it's little habits. It's like cricketers as well, where Margin they shuffle games. in, shuffle in their crease. Mm. Goalkeepers like to clap. Yeah. They like to, <laughs> they like to slam their studs against the post, um, and they like to jump up and touch the crossbar as well. So I, I put it to you that the sound of studs on on concrete is slightly more satisfying. Uh, with moulded studs yes. than the metal studs. The slight there muffling. Are, there are yeah. more of them, so mm. they make more of a, like... A... <laughs> I completely agree that you need the slight muffle of a moulded stud because, to me, I associate the sound of metal studs on, on a hard surface is walking back from football after you've just lost yeah. and you, you were so annoyed you can't even be bothered to put your trainers back on. And it's, and <laughs> after a while you think, oh, I've still got my boots on and now I'm getting on the tube and now I'm on the tube on my boots and people look at me and people look behind them because they think you're someone wearing stilettos <laughs> and, they, and then they realise you're just someone in full kit. You're, you are a full kit wanker on the tube. Um, there are only so many settings that you can wear football boots and as we have just discovered, only so many settings that you should wear really disgusting goalkeeper gloves. Vadim Fermanov says the polite subdued applause from supporters after a player returns the ball to the keeper using their head or chest, which is similar yet distinct from fair play applause. Um, this is a real phenomenon in modern football because the pass-back law has been around for 27 years, something like that. Uh, but yet the English football crowd, and I, I swear this is a kind of a English-British thing, we still really appreciate a header back to a goalkeeper even in the most unstressful circumstances just a little nod back to the goalkeeper and then the crowd just goes oh brilliant well done fantastic why do we still do you think it's just pure relief the ball is safe I think it's relief and also an appreciation that it could be a little bit risky if you get it wrong yeah so you know it just spoons up off your head and yeah. goes loops over the goalkeeper I think we've all seen a few of those it is strange though and I, I've I, I think it was the um, the secret footballer um, who first brought this to the national attention was that like footballers themselves, I think some of them probably a bit annoyed by that. Like you might have a player on the pitch <laughs> who has been, you know, doing all he can or she can to, 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 you know, play amazing through balls and try and pull off these skills and whatever. And 
like they'll get chastised by the crowd, but then a knackered old fullback who's rubbish just has to do the most basic thing a free header in his yeah. own half with no one around him and the entire ground applauds him do you know what I think you're right um, I remember tweeting about this back in the day and Nottingham Forest midfielder Joe Lolly replied saying I don't understand why people applaud this so it was an actual footballer basically critiquing crowd sounds saying it's not that impressive don't get excited by yeah. it guys the lovely named Mark Brine always been a big fan of a thousand strong man on shouts <laughs> especially if the ball is retained safely afterwards Man on is a wonderful thing for thousands of grown people to be shouting all at one time, isn't it? It is. It is. But do you think, is it counterproductive also? Because it can actually, surely it can terrify a player. Well, I I saw um, Michael Cox uh, tweet the other day that he he was basically saying that somebody nearly conceded a goal Mm. and no one, the crowd didn't shout man on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he said if that had gone in that would have been the crowd's fault so the crowd- <laughs> and not shouting man on it's a bit like Sunday League if someone says oh you didn't tell me where was the shout yeah, yeah. but sometimes in Sunday League if someone's sort of in that situation you and or, or if they've got a ball in a lot of space and you shout at them time time you got time and they go what I don't know what to do and then so- you shout man on which one is it I do well, it was time now there's a man on. In a recent piece with uh, with the Athletic, I think it was with Stu James. Uh, Joe Gomez did a an interview, and right. he said that he will sometimes when at Anfield when it's really really loud, like you know Henderson will bark at him and say, "You didn't tell me, you didn't yeah, tell," yeah. and he'll be like, "I did, I did." And he didn't hear me, <laughs> so it does happen. Yeah, the I crowd do, wonder, do need to help. I do wonder if sort of managers can be heard from the touchline over the top and. I also think there's a disproportionate number of Premier League managers who can whistle with their fingers. Like, yeah, how that. can you learn that? I don't no, know. God give no. it. Is it in yeah. the pro light? Uh, it must be in the pro license, <laughs> like, or at least the UEFA B. You just enter a room and Sean Dyche <laughs> is just sitting there waiting. For you. <laughs> right. Today we're going to talk about how to whistle with your fingers. It's it's easy. It's easy. I don't know how you can't do it. Um, uh, going back to not be, not being able to hear, uh, we're we're kind of rapidly approaching matches behind closed doors mm. and uh, I was listening to the radio this morning and Gus Poyet was on um, <laughs> talking about you know his experiences having played and yeah. you know what it was like and mm. he said well one of the worst things was you can always hear the manager <laughs> yeah yeah no especially you got a place. get out yeah I just couldn't hear you I couldn't I couldn't hear you playing telling me to play left back when I was actually right up playing up front our final contribution from the listeners for this section is from Ben Graham he says the sound of a crowd collectively and sarcastically cheering the ref after he's finally given them a decision, after after many countless bad decisions, yeah, given against, and it, it, it it's a di- there are different levels to this. Mm. So you can occasionally it gets so bad where your team have had so many decisions go against you that the almighty cheer for when the when you finally get that innocuous free kick on the halfway line is almost as it's akin to a goal going in. Absolutely, I I, I, I worry mo- one of the victims of modern football is that the threshold for the ironic cheer, Harriet, has kind of gone down. You go somewhere like Goodison Park, who I feel like the the Premier League's chief appealers of throw-ins. I feel like you, <laughs> no one appeals for a throw-in better than Goodison Park. But I feel like you only need two or maybe one or two bad decisions against your team for the ironic cheer to kick in. That's a bad thing for the ironic cheer, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Too much of a good thing. How many love, fouls do you think there should be? Um, I, I don't know. I think it also depends on, on the Second. severity of, of how the, how bad a decision is again, mm. that goes against mm. you. Who the ref is as well. I think, yeah. You know, if it is Mike Dean or someone that we it, all know, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit worse. The, an offshoot of the ironic cheer is when one set of fans appeal for like a handball 
and it's not given and then the other set of fans ironically <laughs> appeal for that's annoying that's that's bad banter isn't it yeah. that's that's yeah. It's where lazy. banter goes too far lazy banter yeah well. i think irony has just encroached too far into football fandom why can't we just be all innocent and talk about how great our teams are and not worry about the misfortunes of others uh, thought for the day <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get some some real niche sounds. Uh, one day it dawned on me that at certain moments of extreme goal-scoring ecstasy, Martin Tyler sounds like Godzilla. So have I have I have I unearthed something here? Is Martin Tyler the voice of Godzilla? So that, He's probably old enough. <laughs> quite possibly. So that. Was Martin the sec the Godzilla sound? Yeah, I know. Which is which? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. It, uh, just to clarify, that was Godzilla scoring against uh, against Arsenal in two thousand and five. I think. <laughs> if you think that was weird, we're going to get a even more weird from now on because uh, you may remember Peter Brackley, once of Gazetta Football Italia, uh, the late great Peter Brackley, and he lent his voice to um, the classic game Pro Evolution Soccer Two, and uh, one day someone. Uh, presumably quite bored, hacked into their PlayStation disc and isolated all the sounds he made for the recording of this. And uh, here they are in all their glory. No, oh, he's charged the goalkeeper. Oh, that's torn it. Hey, do you agree with that call, Trevor? Huh? Oh? Hmm? Oh? Ah! Yes! Great! Go for it! Go on! Oh, well done! Hey? Ah? What? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, no. So that video has 121,000 views on YouTube. 121,000 people or, you know, fewer than that, but multiple instances. Important. So uh, so those, those weren't used in the game, but they're just like in the, no, in the would, matrix. They were in the game. In, in, in They were coded into the game. Yeah. But presumably they just said, right, Peter, we're going to need you to utter a sound that's pretty much useful for any particular circumstances again so it's just like oh what, what's that well i be? played a lot of pro evolution soccer mm. too and all the other instances in the series and i don't remember hearing any of those noises like unless like what possible circumstance does peter bratley to go ah in, <laughs> in a computer game but they just thought well we only got in for an hour so if you could just make any sound you like but um, yeah, yeah, computer game commentary. It's amazing. I mean, Strange. What, what a the voice the working. man has. Some of the subtler, lovely crowd noises I like are when a player's breaking through in a, in a one-on-one and you can hear the entire crowd going, go on, because it's an instinctive thing, go, go on, because, and that's them getting out of their seat, as we discussed earlier. And it's just this go on because they've identified that a chance is about to happen. And then there's a pause as he draws back his foot to shoot. Ball goes in the back of the net, and then it's this eruption of a yeah, a very perceptible yeah, which of course you don't hear in other countries because they have different words for yeah. You'll be surprised to hear. Um, so yeah, I just I just really like the the throb of a crowd's sound noise. It just it's just a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, I quite like the the that pause that you mentioned and mm. the anticipation. Yeah, yeah. When everyone's kind of almost taking a breath. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's quite amazing. And it's very instinctive, isn't it? Because you don't think to pause and you don't yeah. even think to say go on. It just all happens in one lovely motion. Yeah. And it and fits perfectly with the movement of the legs. Yeah, and when you're in the ground, you can feel that it yeah, is a yeah. real collective. Everybody's all like holding their up on their seat um, and holding their breath a little bit. I just, there, there are certain aspects of unified noise making at football stadiums which if you think about it are very strange. Now, cheering a team on, perfectly natural because you want that thing to happen. But, Dave, I put it to you that booing 
is a very strange thing. Now, booing, if 10,000 people are booing at once, a bit childish, but fine, the sentiment is clear. But one person booing, an individual person booing, have you ever booed? Have you ever booed at a game? Yeah, I have. I have. Did you feel silly? Yeah, you do. What it, are you doing? It's like you feel ashamed almost, I think. Is it because there's just no other way? Level. There's no other way of expressing your, um, your discontent with that situation? I mean, there are, there are obviously plentiful ways of expressing your discontent at, you know, individuals or referees, mm. um, should you decide to do so. Yeah, but yeah. the booing is like... It's a bit PG. It is a very PG way of doing it, isn't <laughs> it? But it's pa- there's a pantomime element it's to it. It's literally pantomime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I, I've always just thought, uh, you know, the act of booing is, is one of the strangest things. But we, we do very strange things, of course. Other kind of niche, kind of automatic things that, that crowds do in unison that I find really odd. So you're getting towards the end of a game. Presumably the, the amount of injury time has been indicated by the fourth official and and the crowd whose team are winning are getting quite impatient for the final whistle and you'll hear them whistle now there are so many aspects here first of all what is the sound that are they whistling like that, that's not what is it what's you, the whistle sound they're making you need to be able to going back to, it's going back to the old whistling with with the fingers in the mouth situation you have to be able to do that because i like occasionally like you get carried away yeah and you do find yourself if you can't do that you do sort of I've whistled like just a normal. For <laughs> <laughs> what purpose? No, what, are you, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to compel to the referee to go? Oh, 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 well, uh, oh look at oh, my I whistle. I forgot I had a whistle. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, I won't. I won't adhere to the strictly controlled time on my two wristwatches. I'm going to listen to this. These ten thousand people telling me to whistle. It's such a weird thing. On injury time as well, Harriet. What is the number of minutes of injury time you think is the optimum for a crowd to get annoyed at the amount of injury time that's been awarded? I think anything above four anything above four I think four is is you kind of like oh yeah I kind of expected that you know you think about all the substitutions there have been any stoppages and that's kind of your your average time but when it goes to five oh man it's all hell's going to break loose depending on what the score is though because obviously you get different noises from the crowds if it's a nil nil there's a roar Mm. because you've got five minutes I love that sound yeah it's another kind of example of Mm. come on you can do it um, but if it's 1-0 mm. and your team is winning, mm. then it's just carnage, isn't but it? But it's great because you the, the, the five is displayed on the board and then you can you hear the kind of roar from one set of fans going, right, we've got time to do this, as if five is loads more than four to score a goal, <laughs> which is you know, 25% more. But you can, you can audibly hear tens of thousands of fans going, five? Where do you get five from? Where do you get five? <laughs> Where do you get five from is one of the most unanswered football questions. <laughs> and uh, five minutes of injury time is the most irrational thing that football fans get angry about. Um, other things, and again, this plays into the kind of Schadenfreude aspect of crowd noise, is shots that hit the side netting, but a part of the ground thinks it's oh, gone it's in. Oh, but it, it's, yeah. it's the way that that sound evolves because it's like, yeah, and then that fades straight away because you, you don't want to get mugged off. It's a bit like VAR has kind of compounded this. You don't want to get mugged off. You don't want to celebrate too early. And then that then there's a pause where everyone's trying to take in exactly what's happened. And then the <laughs> schadenfreude just creeps in yeah. and it's like, ah! <laughs> or, or, or yeah. way! Yeah. Way is a very... Yeah. I have many theories about weighing. Or here are... In, off the top of my head, all the situations you can weigh during a football game, overhit passes that just creep out of play. And so, that, so the way kind of travels, it has its own little journey. So it's like, and the ball's just creeping out and you can't go, Way! I love a way. Other things that get weighed, 
linesmen getting taken out by fullbacks. Absolutely. That's a great way because that's really jovial. Like it's it's not cruel to the linesmen. Um, other things that you think elicit a way? Referees falling over. Yeah. Definitely. Not the, re- not the ball hitting the ref though. That... That annoys invokes people. anger. Yeah, get away! Yeah, and then quite a lot of them just go, "Well, <laughs> you hit me." Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike Dean shrugging his shoulders. Yeah. I, I can't not exist when you don't want me to. <laughs> I love away because I, I I think it's it's a unifying thing. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash cliches and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletic Podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash cliches to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, Football Cliches listeners get two extra free beers. On to equally serious subjects. We asked our listeners to suggest football chants that are factually incorrect. Um, this, may, this may sound like pedantry, and in many cases it is. If you want to read any of these out in the voice of Mark Corrigan from Peep Show, um, this <laughs> might suit some of them. Uh, here are some great suggestions. Blake Finney says, I was at a Birmingham City game in the away end with Preston North End fans, and they were singing, You're Just a Small Town in Villa. <laughs> no. <laughs> Geography, obviously not. Geography is a, is a, is a real talking point when it comes to you're just a small town in because yeah. because sometimes it's really hard to know the kind of vague region that these places are in and sometimes you just choose like a place that's nearby so Birmingham for pretty much any Midland side yeah. and it just gets very loose but we, I mean yeah you know in some cases you kind of would be just a small town in yeah, Birmingham. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to know where Solly metropolitan areas... I know, it's, it's very tricky. Where, where <laughs> well, That's me- what we are, aren't we? Yeah, I know, just where the borders of cities end. <laughs> very difficult, very hard to know. But, and you know, for football fans, it's not their consideration. Sam says, he scores when he wants. Well, that's not really true, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But it feeds into a commentator line. Says he just can't stop scoring at the moment. It's just this idea that a player just literally cannot stop himself scoring. Be like a sort of really good film plot. The player who just couldn't stop, sort of volleying his dinner into the bin and stuff like that. Yeah, or Will Griggs on fire. Yeah, a Not good actually on fire. a good chant. I think. Yeah, I think I feel like that was a. Re- I mean, it the cro- shelf life of football chants is bad, but it really crossed into the mainstream. The Will Griggs on fire. Mm. I mean, I, I remember having a few nights out in Clapham during the heady days <laughs> oh, of Euro 2016, and the song comes on. Well, it's free, free from desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and bought that on CD single. Yeah, I mean, there are <laughs> there are random people in South London chanting Will Griggs on fire. Yeah. A Wigan athletic striker. Why yeah. is that happening? It's good that it doesn't matter who Will Griggs is. And, uh, you know, sort of a Shane Long-esque, you know, quite useful striker in certain circumstances. But it doesn't matter. He's become the star of a football chant. Anyway, Robbie Robinson, hope that's his real name. Um, Leicester fans singing Champions of England, you'll never sing that, to nine times top flight champions Everton. 
because that, that's different from your geographical knowledge. You need to know your your football history, and I, I do wonder if this taps into the kind of football didn't wasn't invented that in nineteen ninety two brigade. It's very surprising that though. Surely everyone knows Everton have won the league. Yeah, I, but I, I want to jump in with a technical point here. This might not apply here because Everton won the last one, the league in 85, 86, I think. So there would have been fans there who were born when Everton won the league. So in that sense, they are technically wrong. But if, say, you take someone like Huddersfield who haven't won it for 80 years, then you can justifiably assume that there are fans there who have never seen that then Huddersfield win the league. So technically it's correct. I will allow it on that basis. There's a time span by which you'll never sing that is, is applicable. Uh, Robbie Robinson, you, you're half right. Below says, Thursday night's Channel 5, which is still sung by teams mocking those teams who are in the Europa League, when it's been about seven years since Channel 5 last showed live Europa League games. It's proper your dad down the local sort of stuff. Ignorance of broadcasting TV contracts for continental football competitions. So it should be a real problem. Thursday night BT Sport 2. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't BT fit. Sport doesn't Extra. Quite the ring, yeah. Doesn't yeah. It? <laughs> it's just not enough syllables or too many syllables. But <laughs> and, and, and actually not even Thursday nights now due to the kickoff time changes. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday evening. Late afternoon. Occasionally. On BT Sport 2. This <laughs> your Arsenal this season, Wednesday afternoon in Portugal. Mm. A fascinating story that, that branched out from this. Michael Cox shared this yesterday. Ashley Cole, in 2011, ignited a 30-man tunnel bust-up with Manchester City at Stamford Bridge by chanting Thursday night's Channel 5 at them. <laughs> I'd never heard this story. <laughs> a football player of some repute shouting a football chant <laughs> at an opposing team. That's incredible. Have you ever heard of that before? Never heard of that, no. It just sounds like something Ashley Cole probably would do in the heat of the moment. Yes. But how wound up do you think they must have been? 2011, that, they, were, they were sort of nearly at their Aguero moment. Yeah. And they were getting mocked for being on the... They, I think they'd just been knocked out of the Champions League, so they dropped into the Europa League. So maybe that's where the real pain would be felt. And also quite intriguing to think that the you know, more cosmopolitan members of the Manchester City squad were sufficiently au fait with the <laughs> status of Channel 5 of the terrestrial broadcasters in the UK that they got annoyed. Yeah, in some countries, Channel 5 is probably a big deal. <laughs> so that's fine. <laughs> FIFA Dad 3. I like this one. Um, West Ham fans used to chant, Ludek McClosko, he comes from near Moscow. And he says, actually, he was born 1,105 miles away. Um, Brilliant. Well, it's all relative, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I suppose in the universal sense, closer you are... to Moscow than than Green Street. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to critique these. Um, Alistair Campbell, hopefully the real one, he says, "Pretty sure Nemanja Vidic isn't actually going to murder you." Yeah. Did you yeah. ever sing that, Harriet? Yes, I have chanted that on many occasions. Uh, do you not feel you're objectifying the Serbian population by assuming? that a Serbian is going to murder you just because he's from war-torn Balkan. I didn't really think that deeply about it, to be oh, perfectly okay. honest. It was just more... Just a rhyming thing, it was, it? It was, Yeah, and also it was just the way that Nemanja Vidic would absolutely take you out no matter who you were, whether yeah. you're a teammate or not, yeah. actually, in some, <laughs> some circumstances. And if the situation demanded it, maybe he would murder you if it was going to be a, like a goal line situation. <laughs> uh, Jim Rock. These names are great. Good <laughs> names this week, aren't they? Um, you're going home in a Leicester ambulance to away fans in the 80s and 90s. He says, I imagine that any ambulance would probably take the victims to a local hospital rather than home. <laughs> these are really good technical points. Um, if an ambulance took you home, that's a really good service, but probably not. <laughs> Probably not ideal. Really like this one from Fraser Thomas. Six foot two, eyes of blue. Big Jim Holton is after you. He was six foot one and had brown eyes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ben the Gooner 92 says, Part of the chant by Arsenal fans got Shamak. He comes from a place not far from Iraq. He was from Morocco. And um, uh, crucially, Ben the Gooner 92 attached a, an image from Google uh, Google Maps confirming that it's either 75 mile, 75 hour drive from Iraq to Morocco if you went kind of the European Asian route. But if you drove around North Africa, it's about 77 hours. So tough one. I mean, I guess the roads are better if you go north. Hard to know. But either way... Many direct flights from Iraq to Morocco. Got probably, drive, you've got to drive up. it. Epic, epic <laughs> drive, 75 hours. Yeah, so maybe this throws football chants into a serious state of disarray. They're all factually incorrect. Or are we just dreamers? What's happening? Do you we, care? You don't care, do no, you? No, not really. I, I think uh, some of them are so creative as well that, that it doesn't... I mean, we are in an era of fake news. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of to be expected. Escapism, that, you know, There's, there's going to be... Yeah, yeah. From the truth. Absolutely. Yeah, and Facts. I think so, so many of them are so creative. You've just got to respect them, haven't you? Dave, who are by far the greatest team the world has ever seen? <laughs> you can't say Watford, can you? No, we never, we never sing that. Wow. Oh, is he quite a pessimistic fan base? No, I just I don't know if it's what's the first part of the chant. We're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. But what? How do you get to? That's the end of it, isn't it? And it's and club it's the, X yeah, that's it, isn't suffix. it? So we have sung it from sometimes, but it, it it's about syllables, I think. So yeah. and it's Watford FC it doesn't really yeah, you, fit. But yeah, if it's you like can't breezily say FC and it's yeah. Tottenham Hotspur. That mm. that more that's more natural, mm. right? Mm. So some some teams are automatically barred from being the best team the world has ever seen because they haven't got enough syllables. I think Poor so. Watford, yeah. like Berry. <laughs> well, exactly. How Bad example. That's why they've gone out of existence. <laughs> yeah. um, sorry, Berry. Um, Berry? I want to talk about derogatory football chants, and I don't mean heinously awful ones to individuals. I mean playful ones that are clearly designed just to mock teams in general. And the most fascinating example of this genre is... And I won't muck around here. It's your shit. Ah, which is only obviously used at goal kick scenarios. And so if anyone who's been supporting football from under a rock for all this time, let's play your shit. Ah, in all its glory. There are so many good things about that. There, there, a couple of the, the first thing, you have to be quite careful when you begin the ramp up yeah. to the your shit ah because if, don't do it while he's sort of swigging from yeah, a water bottle. Yeah, if, exactly. If Ben Foster is in goal and you, you know he's going to walk to the other side of the six yard box, you need to wait because otherwise they're right at the top of their voice. Mm. There's just nowhere else for them to. There's really to really straining. Breathing issues there as well. Yeah, got, yeah. you know, take the sneak the sneak breaths. And you have yeah to, yeah, yeah and then. After the your shit ah, there's the people. It sort of morphs into the there's sort of distant ah ah ah. It's lovely, isn't it? It's, it's... And it almost sounds like a not an ah. It ends up sounding like a ha ha ha, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, like a mocking yeah. sound. But he hasn't done anything wrong. He was to do his done his take a goal kick. So that that particular kick was from Fulham, which who are demonstrably a southern club. It emerges that your shit ah is actually a geographical thing. Now, up north, or at least in Yorkshire, and maybe this is just a specifically Leeds thing, they chant something rather different. So I'm just trying to... I'm, 
it wouldn't work down south, would it? No, I, I mean, bastard by yeah. definition sounds yeah, exactly. better in, yeah. in a northern context. But the crucial thing here is the number of difference of syllables. Your shit, ah, that's three syllables, assuming no variances at the end. You shit, bastard, ah, is five. Is that, uh, you shit, bastard, ah, that's five syllables. You are... You are 66% more syllables up north for when someone takes a goal kick. Theories. Theories. It is nastier as well, isn't it? It is nastier, Because the, the your shit out is like, you are a bit shit. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. yeah. But this one, you, you shit you bastard. specifically <laughs> yeah. are shit at football and a bastard. <laughs> I think it's just a bit much. But it's more satisfying. I like it. I might try and start <laughs> bring, it, bring it down south. <laughs> We'll gentrify it. <laughs> Poor old Watford. <laughs> Poor old Ben Foster. Presumably not going to do it at your own goalkeeper. Once it, hits, once it hits Craven Cottage, you know, it's over. Is this a dying art with the I, new goal kick rule? A very serious point. I mean, over, obviously over the last maybe five, six, seven years, we're seeing the culture shift for goal kicks. They're being sort of taken short. And and that was the the harbinger of doom for your shit hour or, or its variants. And then, of course, start of this season, you were allowed to take goal kicks incredibly short and football fans are being denied their their one pleasure because your shit out is completely separate from the result it doesn't matter if you're five nil down it doesn't matter if you're five nil up it doesn't matter if it's the start of the game or the end of the game that goalkeeper that goalkeeper is always shit out and i feel like it's a pleasure that's being denied football fans and you don't see the ticket prices coming down do you (laughs) you don't you certainly don't i i think the way that we could get around this is that um in lieu of there being sufficiently long goal kicks, what there is now, increasingly, is the back pass to the goalkeeper who's comfortable with the ball at his feet <laughs> being pressed by Robert, yeah. Roberto Firmino or Sadio Mane or someone. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of, especially if they've had a little dodgy moment earlier in the game, there yeah, is a yeah. sort of, oh, <laughs> nine times out of ten, he'll just sidestep it and pass it to the yeah, fullback. Yeah. But that you could you could insert the your shit ah in that space. I do like that because it only takes one mistake for a goalkeeper to then be under this kind of purgatory for the rest of the game from the, from the opposition fans got mocking his every touch. And uh, uh, it just feels so cruel. Goalkeepers get a real bad deal. There was um there was a story I, I read. Um, apparently this was Huddersfield fans back in the day in their old ground. Um, I can't remember what it was Leeds called. Road. Leeds Road, thank you. And uh, the opposition goalkeeper would trot out at the start of the game to go and put his goalkeeping bag in the bottom corner or whatever and stuff like that. So he would trot out and they would applaud him as he approached the goal. And and they would they would usually go, oh, great, and sort of applaud back really nicely. And then when he came to sort of just inside his penalty area, six-yard box, they'd suddenly turn and they'd go really horrible at him and he would be really startled. And apparently it worked. It was a really good tactic. Um, something for the Premier League to, to take up. Um, we're going to go down this kind of fan profanity angle for a little bit longer. Um, fans swearing on TV broadcasts is a very problematic thing. I mean, some, despite the fact that most football matches go beyond the 9pm watershed. And and a lot of people on Twitter say what to commentators. They ask them, why do you have to apologise for fans swearing on TV? And of course, they actually have to do it, don't they, Dan? Yeah. Well, it's Ofcom regulations. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not... Some radio stations or TV stations, obviously it's pre-recorded or whatever, but some radio mm. stations, if they're swearing on air, they can like, they're in delay, so they can kind of cut it out and you yeah, never yeah. know. But when it's live, you know, there's no hiding place. And you, you know, you just, it's a formality. You just have to apologise to mitigate against the anyone who could ever potentially people be that will write in. Harriet, are you ever offended by swearing by fans on football, on TV? I've never really taken much notice of it. <laughs> but what, one thing I did, t- I t- it's a bit different from, from live 
football coverage and things but mm. I think back in the day um like decades ago if uh, broadcasters were putting out a TV show mm. they had to write in to the bosses and explain if they'd used a profanity in a certain scene oh. and get get permission to use it so obviously oh. I mean nev- football fans are never going to be <laughs> at that level of uh, oh should we do that shouldn't we but um, yeah there's, there's, there's always that that um, part of it where the broadcast is going to have to apologise because somebody is going to get offended by it. I always really like the apologies because you know that they're they're kind of formality. They they are kind of mandatory. But the commentator kind of half-heartedly does it. Says, Sorry if you heard any uh, you heard any uh, colourful language just there. <laughs> it is colourful. Yeah, yeah. Always colourful. <laughs> if you yeah. heard any Robust. fruity, fruity, fruity <laughs> language. I feel like we should showcase the ultimate example of fans swearing on TV. This was an, an FA Cup tie back in 2008. Histon versus Leeds. Live on ITV, as will become abundantly clear during this clip. But what I want people to focus on isn't just the swearing. It's the it's the really, really awkward pause after the swearing stops before the commentary starts again. Listen to this. Listen, as a fullback, I not the few to the stand in my time. Always blame the surface when that happens. Shit. Fucking shit. ITV. It's fucking shit. ITV. I think you've seen so far in the start. What part of that did you enjoy the most, Harriet? I think just the the, the cut off bit of when <laughs> they realise that the swearing's happening and it's directed at them. Can you and imagine how panicked whoever was in charge of that mic was at that moment in time? Yeah, what do we do? What do you do? What do you do? Oh, cut. <laughs> it sounded it's so loud. I mean, and this is the the obvious problem here is that it's a, an FA Cup game yeah. at a, you know a small ground, mm-hmm. so there's no cordoned off press area probably broadcast gantry they're yeah, literally yeah. probably on a scaffolding that they've erected they were they were in front of like a scaffolding in front of a hedge yeah. or something yeah. i think and it sounds to me like somebody the ringleader in this particular mob of angry anti-ITV-ites has grabbed the the microphone. The big boom mic, He's yeah. got the microphone and he's shouting down it and then someone's obviously yanked it back off mm. him and mm. killed the mic. But I was surprised that there was no apology. <laughs> Beglin just picks up. Just, they were just dumbfounded. Because keep it, it going, was, keep going. It was Drury and Beglin and it, I don't think they were just like, they were probably laughing at each other going, no, that was absolutely brilliant secretly. But um, actually, boom mics at the side of the pitch, they're a, they're a kind of lovely piece of um, sort of Premier League prop because... When a player clatters into a boom mic, it's a lovely sound. It I is. Do, or a player kicks one in anger. Ball hits it. Do they have to pay for that? They should do. Like, you're probably damaging no, a boom no, mic. They, of course they don't. Anyway, boom mics by the side of pitches. Important, essential part of the mise-en-scene of Premier League football. This smile might be about to be wiped off your face because it's time for the weekly cliche quiz. Uh, you didn't cover yourself in glory last week. No. You no. were trounced. 3-0 by Jack, B- Jack Pitbrook, who, who tops the nascent league table for the cliche quiz. Harriet Drudge is the latest challenger. You know the drill. First answer first wins. Three questions. They're, they're all related to the sounds of football. Question one. A goal scorer who has been, who's been receiving howls of derision from, uh, from the opposition fans throughout the game. Who is he said to be silencing with his goal? His doubters. No. His cr- critics. No. No. They're not. They're not. They're not critics. You're not going to get it, are you? No. No. The Boo Boys. The Boo, the boo Boys. boys? Silencing no, the Boo Boys. That's wrong. Think, no, that's wrong. That's the Boo. Bo- the Boo Boys are the players. The the home fans that that wrongfully get on the back of a player in a bad run of form. I think. 
You are right. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> the cliche quiz is broken. <laughs> and now I, I realise you are completely correct. Uh, well, that was nil-nil. Next, so, next question. Now you say, yeah, so neither of you win a point there and neither do I. So the whole thing oh, is no. ruined. Okay, <laughs> question two. This has suddenly become very tense. Minute silences. If, uh, if everyone, you know, stays silent for an entire minute, what is that minute yeah. silence yeah. described as? This is very important. Oh, God. It's um, Come on. immaculately Impeccably observed. Impeccably observed. In- Harriet gets the point. Oh, and, yeah, I, no, it is and I will show my yeah. workings here. You're right. Because I'm never sure if it's impeccably observed or immaculately observed. Impeccably. I went to Google and it's 21,000 Google hits for impeccably and only 7,000 for immaculate. Harriet leads 1-0 with one question to go. Are we going to see the first draw in cliche quiz history in only its second ever fixture? Here we go. By which method does a manager issue his instructions from the touchline? Which verb do we apply to that? Barking? Yes! 1-1. One, one. Okay, this is the decider. God, this is peak excitement for the cliche quiz. Okay, the collective noun for booze. Oh, it's a chorus. A chorus yeah, of chorus booze. booze. Oh, an understated victory. Casual delivery of the winning point. Savage. From Dave Walker. He wins 2-1. You've got, you've got yourself on the it's board. It's like a Jorginho penalty. That. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was good. Harry, you started well. I did, yeah. And then I... 1-0 up. F- fell by the wayside. And you... As they say, fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I deserve that. Dave, you're up to second in the cliche quiz table behind Jack Pibrook. Who... It's too early in the season to <laughs> look at the league table. Is it embryonic? Isn't? Yeah. The embryonic cliche <laughs> quiz table. Uh, Harriet, we'll have you back soon to, to avenge this terrible defeat. Thank you both for coming. I really enjoyed that episode. That was great fun. And uh, we'll see everyone next week. All our podcasts are completely free and ad-free versions are available to subscribers. You can sign up and get a 40% discount now by going to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod.